0: So we left our story, the story of the advance of the gospel. Jesus had returned. He'd vanished from their sight. Of course, he's still with us, uh, but he'd vanished from their sight and returned to be with the Father at his right hand, enthroned. And from his position of enthronement, he said he received um, from the Father this, which you now see and hear. That was Peter explaining what was going on at the day of Pentecost. Um, And we know that the Lord had to be crucified. He had to be raised from the dead. And he had to return to the Father, triumphant, in order for this new era to open upon the universe. And we left the story with the, the martyrdom of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. Um, And we noted, let's just read at the end of chapter 7 of Acts, I'll just remind us, uh, I'll just remind you and and we'll share again what was going on. Stephen had been hauled before the court, the Sanhedrin, because he was subverting, he he was disturbing the peace, he was subverting the traditions of the fathers. Uh, he was speaking against Moses. In a sense, he was um, speaking against this holy place and upsetting them generally. This is Stephen. Just, in fact, as Jesus had done. And we, we learned that he was a man full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith. He was a, Helen, a Hellenizing Jew. Um, spoke Greek. He went to a Greek-speaking synagogue. Incidentally, they reckon, somebody reported, there were 450 synagogues in Jerusalem. Well, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but there were lots of synagogues around the place. Synagogues that these guys matter, and the synagogue system had been developed in exile for the purpose of one prayer together and the public reading of the scriptures. That's what goes on in synagogues today public uh, prayer and public reading of the scriptures. Um, Now, he got into a stoush, Stephen, with the libertines, the Greek-speaking folk in his synagogue. And there was this debate, and they couldn't shut him up. They couldn't gainsay what he said. And the interesting thing is, was that they all had the same data... And Stephen arrived at a very different conclusion. So they all knew, and they, and they said this, these sorts of things to Jesus. We have Abraham to our father. We've never been in, in, in slavery to anyone. Uh, we have Ab- and they were very conscious of the divine handling of their nation. And their divine choosing. Oh, we're so... God spoke to Abraham God spoke to Moses and gave us his word look there's no one else like us we're going to be the light to the Gentile world and so they took the same data they all knew about how God had dealt with them but Stephen drew a very different conclusion and the problem is Paul pointed this out That the natural man, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So, in a sense, God could tell them the truth all day long, but they couldn't hear it, they couldn't receive it. Why? Because the problem wasn't information depravity, um, deprivation, I mean, it wasn't information deprivation, it was not having an appetite to do God's will. It was a spiritual disposition that was against him. So, and Stephen draws their attention to this. Here's what he said to them. You, when he got to the end of his, his account of history, um, and how they killed the prophets, how they resisted God, chapter 7, verse 51, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, and ears. Oh, yeah, you do all the right things outwardly. You've got priests, you get circumcised in the flesh. But in your heart you're unclean. Unclear. Here's what he said. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one and I think we said that if God was in it, they were against it, but they didn't really see it and they developed this whole system that they were very zealous about. Oh, we, we love God. This is, the, this is the godly religion that was given to us by God. It came directly from, Mo, um, from Moses. And they didn't see the divergence between their spiritual position and what the things of God were that he'd been talking to them about. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And let's just go on. They showed before they, you killed them all, they show before the coming of the just one whom ye have been now of whom now you 've been the betrayers and murderers you, you guys have received the law by the disposition of angels oh yes, 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 oh yes, this is marvelous, and have not kept it, so these poor guys, they were hooked, they were. Um, preoccupied with God's grace to them and that we're so wonderful God has spoken to us, he's chosen us there's not another nation in the world like us and they missed the detail that they might have had the word of God but they didn't keep it um, you see the point point. Um, and so there was this divergence between what should have been and what was, between what could have been had they had hearts open and soft to the word of the Lord and what was um, they ultimately even though they had the word they rejected him of whom it spake and that was too much for them they gnashed on him with their teeth and they stoned him and that's where they got up to they cried with a a loud voice verse 57 and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul, enter Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So dear Stephen, um, an example of the Lord Jesus. He did the same sorts of works, the miracles and signs. He was full of the Holy Ghost. And he said to them, "Um, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they do, just as Jesus had responded. Truly, um, he was Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren. Oh, all same family. They all do the same sort of thing. They got the same spirit. They mm. okay. Now. he made a bit of a point that Stephen perceived that there was a conflict between the traditions of the fathers, well we're the special one because God spoke to us and this is a holy place and he he went through and said well actually God spoke to Abraham there and he dealt with Moses there and there and there it's not about this place and Stephen could perceive with his Hellenizing outlook his Greek speaking outlook he could perceive that this uh, Christianity, this new faith that was um, born and evidenced in the temple among the Jews was on a collision course with the traditions of the fathers. Um, and interestingly, uh, it suggested that Saul could see the same thing. Gamaliel had said, oh look, guys, chill. Remember Gamaliel uh, at the Sanhedrin? He'd said, look, it's chill. Please, these people, these hotheads, they come up and It comes to nothing. He said, but leave these blokes alone. Do you remember this in chapter 5? Leave these blokes alone. If it's of man, it'll come to nothing. It'll just fizzle out. But be careful. If it's of God, you might find yourself up against and fighting God. And you're not supposed to do that. you remember that? That wasn't what Saul was like. He could see the conflict. He could see the incompatibility. And he was after them. So that brings us to chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Yeah, yeah. Look, he was a, Jew, a good, zealous Jew. And there's this thing about the religious nature of man. It can, become, uh, it can become embroiled in things that are actually quite, well, they are. They're carnal and ungodly. And So he loved God. He says of the Jews later on, in Romans chapter 10, he talks about the Jews, I I bear them witness, they have a zeal for God. But not according to knowledge. It was corrupt, it was perverse, they'd missed the point. I I, I think I've said to you before, I've worked um, with Muslim folk and I was amazed. There are folk among them and they had a zeal for God, they cared about pleasing Him. But not according to knowledge. Um, and and that's the point about our human hearts is that our instinct to please God can become corrupted and diverted into fanaticism and z- zeal that just ain't anything to do with the Father. Do you, do you see that? We kind of know that he's there, and we say, "Oh, he's," and we, we get some ideas about what he wants from men and women, and it's got to be like this and this and this. And actually, it's got nothing to do. Uh, and and the way we think we're serving him has got nothing to do with the will of God and His mind. He was sore in this condition. He's like, yes. Well, let's look at the data. God had said in Deuteronomy that cursed is Everyone that hangs on a tree, a gibbet, a pole, a stick, a cross, has got God's curse on him. So Saul would have been incensed. They're talking about these things undermining the Mosaic traditions. They're talking about a man who was hung on a gibbet, who comes under God's curse and trying to tell me that he is the son of God, the Messiah. Get rid of these guys you understand? Data in, carnal mind, decision and position adopted. So we'll come on later on to hear about Saul's conversion. Saul, why persecutest thou me? Okay, but let's not be too hard on him. Um, He was a a zealot. Where could we look? Let's have a look in chapter 11. No, let's, let's have a look in Galatians chapter 1 I think and um, where he just mentions his zeal I remember his commentary on the Jews that yeah, he bore the witness they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge let's go to Galatians 1 Verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, Galatians 1, verse 11, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not according to man. Alright, it wasn't some invention. It wasn't a tradition that he had made up out of the scriptures. Uh-uh. This comes from God. Here's, let's go on. And by, by the way, so much of what the Jews did, the traditions of the fathers... Were invented. No, no. Look, if you're going to be a good Jew, you mustn't walk more than two miles on the Sabbath because God said you must rest on the Sabbath. Now we're going to tell you what it is to rest. Don't you pull your uh, no, the pulling a horse, a cow out of the ditch was all right apparently. The Lord used that. He said he wouldn't leave him in there. You remember that discussion? But you mustn't walk. So the traditions were actually the words of man. And Paul said, nothing to do with me. I didn't make this up. The gospel that I preach to you is not according to man. Um, verse 12. For I neither received it from man, neither was I taught it, but through the revelation of Jesus, the anointed, the king, the Messiah. For you've heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion. How that beyond measure I was advanced In the Jews' religion, beyond many my equals. We missed a bit out. I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And was advancing in the Jews' religion, beyond many my equals in my own nation. Being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father's. And we'll come back to the rest of that story. But just that's how Paul described himself. Now let's have a look at some of his actions. And you, you know what they are, don't you? So, at that time, so there was this um, martyrdom of Stephen. And Saul said, yeah, go for it. And at that time, from that day, there arose a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. Interestingly, it wasn't long before that they, had all, they, that they were finding favour with all the people. The miracles and the things that they were saying. And they gathered in Solomon's porch, this colonnade, day by day. And the, the, the multitude of Jews, who would call themselves Christians now, grew and grew and grew. And with Stephen, the tide changed. And he fell foul of local popular opinion. And they killed him, and they then started to persecute the Jews, the Christians, in Jerusalem. Um, Now, just as an aside, it suggested that, it says that the apostles stayed there. We'll read that in a minute. The apostles stayed. And it looks as if it was the Hellenistic Jews that were persecuted, the Hellenizing ones, and the Judean Jews they weren't in such hot water let's just read what happens at that time from that day at that time you could read from that day there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles they stayed but they were all Um, Hebrews. Verse 2. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore... Indeed, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Just, Do you remember that the Lord had issued a prohibition? Let's, let's, we want to read it. Ch- let's go to chapter 10 of Matthew, can we? So, here, in, in, during the Lord's earthly ministry, he had issued this prohibition. Prohibition. <laughs> That's the ten of Matthew. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them authority against unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal all manner of sickness, and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother, Philip and Barnabas, sorry, Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas, Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but rather... Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was what was happening then. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven hath drawn nigh. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out the, dev- the devils. Freely ye have received. Freely give. So, interesting enough, that that was the same message that was announced by John yeah. repent for the kingdom of God is drawn near is at hand Jesus had the same message repent the kingdom of God is at hand the disciples they were to go out with the same message repent for the kingdom of God has drawn near it's time the time of fulfillment has come let's read on a little bit provide neither gold nor silver nor brass oh. In your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy as meat. I think we'll leave it there. Um, When we go, however, to, let's have a look in, let's have a look in Luke 2, 32. And then you'll go to Acts, and you'll see the point. But it was changing. That was for those disciples then. And in Luke 2, 32, here's Simeon. Dear old Simeon, Lord, let us now thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Verse 30, Luke 2. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. As he had this child in his hand. The Holy Ghost came upon him and he was quickened and understood. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Yeah! Go the Jews! No! That's not what he said. I've seen thy salvation a light to lighten the Gentiles. And the glory of thy people Israel. Ah. the Jews were absolutely fixed on their special status how God so favoured them and they didn't really understand what God was doing but you and I can now we can look back and say yeah. the Jews were for a time to bring Jesus into the world and Jesus has come as God said to Abraham that in him all families of the earth should be blessed Now, look. Yeah. So just go go get Acts chapter 1, and a couple of verses there. And Jesus lifts this prohibition. And we're about to see the beginning of its fulfillment. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. When therefore they were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said, then it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father will put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. God never wanted. Only to bless the Jews. He wanted through the Jews to bless all the families of the earth. And you would say, oh yeah, I feel so blessed. My crops are growing. I've got somewhere to live. I have a wife. I have 12 children. I, uh, the, the cattle are bearing well. I, I'm so blessed. Well, hang on. Mate, not so fast. God sends His Son to shine on the evil and the just. He sends His reign on the evil and the just. Perhaps that wasn't the blessing He was talking about, specifically in Abraham, to Abraham, in Him, in Abraham, in His offspring, in His seed. The Saviour shall all families of the earth be blessed. I just want to offer you this: um, we got a problem with God. Um, we hate Him. Natural, that's natural man's disposition. Even though part of us want to love him, there's something more fundamental that hates him. We put him to death. That was an expression of the human sin. Don't you, t- don't you tell me what to do, God. I'm in charge. In my life, I determine what happens. Ah, oh, we hate God. We're God-murderers. We don't want God. We're in charge, and so when Peter spoke to them on the uh, soon after the day of Pentecost, um, God sent Jesus to bless them first. I think we might we might need to read it again, again in this in the wash up after the extraordinary event, in Peter explaining to them what was going on, and here we are in chapter three. Your children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers. This is verse 25. And in thy seed shall all kindreds of the earth be blessed. Verse 26. Unto you first. He's speaking to Jews near the day of Pentecost. Unto you first. God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. It doesn't, It's nothing to do with making your crops grow or making you feel happy or full or good or protected no. what was the blessing in turning away every one of you from his iniquities and that's the big story that is the big story of scripture that man has lost his life he's lost his communion with the father and there's no hope He, we all, each, we all, each, are worthy of death only for our rebellion against him. And yet the Father has made a scheme. And the the blessing that, 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 that the Father sends to us in Jesus is, first of all, to turn every one of us away from that which we were so attached to. From our sins, from our iniquities. Not just the Jews, not the Jews to make a religion, not the Jews to have this clean way of life. Oh, we keep all the laws, we do this, that, and the other, I tithe, mint. No, 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 no. The blessing is a spiritual one. Now the Father has a plan. I'm going to make them new. I'm going to make them another kind of human being that the world has never seen. I'm going to... You remember Jeremiah 31, I'm often, often quoting it, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, I'll put my spirit in them, I'm going to give them a new heart. Look, I gave, I gave the Israelites the law, but all they did with it was not keep it. They couldn't. Chains. We were in bondage to sin. But the chains are broken. Jesus has ascended on high and the father has sent him to bless us first in turning us away so that when we come up with for real repentance the father will give us the promise the promise of the holy ghost the promise of the father we have got to demonstrate for real repentance no, we can't do that by ourselves it's all right it's not that it all depends on us it depends on our moral response but we can't get to the bottom of our heart by ourselves we can respond to the Lord in as much as we know at the moment and then the next day or a little bit later we'll find, and yet I thought I said yes I repent and and yet there's all this in me and then we've got to repent again a bit more and ultimately he will lead us to repent of our very existence it's called conviction of sin and we'll hate ourselves as much as he hates us God hates sin. It's that whole disposition that's against him, that ruins the universe, that ruins the communion with God. He hates it. And he's only got one answer for it. You've got to die. You've got to let that disposition expire. But because of the cross, death has lost its sting for us. It's lost its sting for us and it becomes an entry into our personality continuing but now in a new way motivated by another spirit. Once we were motivated by sin. Once we were motivated by an inescapable compulsion to be against God even though he didn't want it. It's not a question of, oh I wish I wasn't like this. The problem is, you are like it. The problem is, I was like it. The issue is that He, God has sent the Son to give us, to bless us, in giving us repentance so that we can be free and that those chains of bondage can be liberated and we can become new men in new life and yield our members, his servants, to obey. Do you remember Romans 6, 7, 8? Um, So, the gospel is going to escape through all this. Uh, so that, this, this persecution went on. So let's go back to chapter 8. They were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ultimately to the uttermost parts. Of the world. It was never a religious thing for the Jews. It was a spiritual thing for mankind that the Father had in in sight. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Are you for real? We hate the Samaritans. The Samaritans hate us. We despise them. They are the ones that have got their own separate uh, religious system. They got Mount Gerizim a temple. Quite a contrary to what God had commanded. That it was in Jerusalem I placed my name. That's where there's going to be a temple. Quite contrary, and the whole history of they hated each other. And Philip, this remember Philip, he he couldn't do his job anymore. He was one of the almoners, look after the. They chose seven men of the full of the Holy Ghost, and Philip was one of them. They couldn't do their job anymore because all the Hellenistic Jews were fleeing Jerusalem. So he went to Samaria and preached the gospel. And you know, the Samaritans also believed in a coming Messiah. So he would have been aware of this. Verse 5 And he preached Christ to them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many, taken with palsies and that were lame, were healed. And there arose great joy in that city. Can I just remind you that it was a Samaritan Town, Sychar, um, that was receptive to Jesus in a way that the Galileans and Judeans had never been. Remember the woman at the well? And all, no signs, no miracles, just one word of knowledge about the woman. You'd say truly that the man you're with isn't your husband, but you've had five. And she said to them, Do you remember this? The woman at the well? And And she went back and said, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. He knows all about me. Just one little word of knowledge was enough to trigger a a great wave of the beginning of faith. And they flocked to him. And they said, stay for longer. And he stayed for a couple of days. And then he had to go back to, do you remember that? That was the Samaritans. They seemed to have been right. Here they were, Philip arrived. And he preached Christ to them. And they responded. <laughs> Hallelujah! Amazing! Here it was, and Jesus had been there a few years before. Bef- when this blessing was not yet available, when the gospel was not yet made, Jesus came to make the gospel. He came to die and rise again and enter the presence of the Father so that he could shed forth this which you now see and hear. And thou. Philip was on the other side. And these hearers were on the other side of Pentecost. And it was available to them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things. There was great joy in that city. And I think we're going to have to look another day at that. What I'd like to do, please, if you are willing, just about things first. Let's go to Matthew 15 just to illustrate this and to emphasise this opposition between man, even man trying to do the right thing. Natural man can't cope with God. Even the good bits. Remember we read that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Even the blokes who are trying to do the right thing produce A kind of righteousness that's tainted and wrong. So here were the poor old Jews, Matthew 15. Um, And we'll read a few verses. Then came came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were from Jerusalem. Why do... he was up in Galilee at this time why do thy disciples transgress here we go again the tradition of the elders and they were imbuing the tradition of the elders with divine authority Um, tradition of the elders equals what God wants I've got to tell you I've been there Um, it's very easy for um, (laughs) men and women to imagine that what they understand to be divine is divine oh no 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 the things that are divine are only the things that are divine. And people can get, um, they can get very zealous and very particular about what they think God intends. Here they were. Why, is he, why are they transgressing the traditions of the fathers? You and I can be there. It's all right. The Lord, he, he, he's able to lift us out. He's able to lead us on. Um, but don't get stuck there. So here we are. They wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said to them, "Why do you transgress? Do you notice the shift? Not the traditions of our fathers. Oh, their tradition! They're transgressing the traditions of the fathers. Why are they doing this?" And Jesus said, "Mate, you're transgressing the commandment of God. Is a bit more important. You get the emphasis. Yeah." Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honour thy father and thy mother. He that curseth or revileth father or mother, let him die the death. But you, you religious guys, you say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It's a gift. It's a consecrated gift. It's an offering for God. If you say that, you say, Sorry, if you say that, you say, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honour not his father or his mother he shall be free look, if you're giving that money that your mum and dad need remember, we didn't have social security um, to honour mother and father you would help them in the days when they didn't have very much money and they weren't um, able to earn money remember that kids? when they're, okay, yeah you've got to look after them and they said, and they said, "Oh no, 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 but if it 's going to be given to the temple because we got our hands in the temple till um, that 's okay you don 't have to give it to him and Jesus picked up on this and said you 're dishonoring the commandment of god you 're teaching them that they can get off the hook and Uh, appear to be good religious people oh yes I'm the one that gave so much money see that that nice bit of gold there on the gate beautiful I put that in there that was a gift from me and mum and dad were left to starve you understand so thus you have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition you hypocrites well did Isaiah the prophet say to you Prophesy concerning you, saying, um, and this is what I was trying to describe earlier just the endemic contrariness, the endemic rebellion against the Father found in human hearts. And Jesus said to them, Well, did he say, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. That was Isaiah 29. And he called the multitudes and said to them, this is his way up here in Galilee, and here we got this religious delegation from Jerusalem, the scribes and the Pharisees, and he he turns aside from them and he says, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said to him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this say? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Now, for you and me, That's a product of repentance and conviction of sin. When we say yes, Father, what I've been—the thing that motivated me, the thing that that gave rise to my personality and gave rise to my whole ego—you've got to take it out. Deal with me. So, mm, every plant's like that. Father wants to have plants on the planet. Plants on the planet that are planted of God, rooted in Jesus, bringing forth fruit unto him. If you like, grafted into the true vine. So it's not just the bad ones, it's all of us. We're all bad. We've all got to be uprooted. Let's read what he says. Um, Every plant which my Father in heaven hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, they be blind, leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said to him, Declare unto us this parable. Dear old Peter. Remember there were boys. He was a fisherman boy. 19, 20. And Jesus said, Are you also yet without understanding? Do you not yet understand? That whatsoever entereth in at the mouth, goes into the belly, and is cast out, into the draught. That's it. It's not a problem, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile the man. Oh, the articulation of what we are in our spirit, that's the problem. The proof, the demonstration of the depravity of our spirit, that's the problem. What you say comes from your heart, and it demonstrates what your heart is. It's the heart that's the problem. David saw this. We'll come, we'll come to David in a minute. Let's just read it on. Uh, verse 18. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. They defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts murders adulteries fornications theft false witness blasphemies all those external things all those carnal appetites they are the product they're not the problem they're downstream of the problem the problem is the human heart those Excesses and wrong actions aren't the problem. They are downstream of the problem. They are the result of the problem. They are the effluent of an unclean heart. It's quite an interesting thing um, for you and me to remember. Because when we bump into somebody, you can see we what we see is the external thing. But the external thing is the working of the heart. So the problem with those lusts of the flesh is that they are indicative of a heart that's wrong. Lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness, says John in the first epistle. Sin is not having any law. I'm in charge. No law applies to me. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to... Lawlessness. I won't submit myself to the Father. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So Jesus was at pains to lead them in an understanding of human life as being essentially spiritual and human problem, humans, uh, the the human failing before God being not external, not uh, practical. It's spiritual. The problem, you know the old saying, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Which is why the Father has constructed, has made, has provided an answer, a solution, a salvation that gets at the heart of the problem. And that by making the heart right, I'll I'll give them a new heart. A new heart? Yeah. Look, I gave Moses my laws and they promptly ignored them. Or, they didn't ignore them, they just broke them. I'm going to do it differently in the New Covenant. This so is Jeremiah 31. I'm going to write my laws in their heart. What does that mean? It means God's going to make you like Him. So that your heart is like His heart. What's written in God's heart? His laws. His nature. His being. That's what's written in His heart. He said, I'm going to write that in them. I'm going to give them my spirit. This is Ezekiel 36. I'm going to put my spirit in them. A new covenant. Not according to the old covenant, which they break. That was never intended. It was never imagined that it would solve the problem. But it was preparatory for this. Answer to the problem of the human heart. Hallelujah. Um, And so dear Saul could see this. uh, He could see some of it. He could see that there was a conflict. And he went around locking them up, persecuting them, killing them. We'll have more to to see um, about Saul's life down the track. So what happened here? Well, here the gospel escapes the Jewish temple. It escapes Jerusalem, and they start to move out. Why? God always intended it should be like that. He had an answer for mankind wherever he's found. Whatever his um, personality, whatever his race, whatever his culture... The same answer, one that gets to the heart of the problem. And he sent Jesus to bless us by leading us, by giving us repentance. Amen. Let's pray.